everyone and welcome back to the Football Chigu podcast. My name is Thomas Sterning and today I'm joined by my co-host Pierce McLaughlin. Hello Pierce. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing well. On today's podcast we'll be discussing uh, last weekend's English and Scottish Premier League results. Uh, we'll be reacting to uh, the Euro 2024 draw which was at the weekend and at the end of the podcast Pierce will be giving a rundown for the latest Asian football news. Uh, so we'll start off with um, uh, reacting to the English Premier League results. So uh, I'll just quickly go through them. So on Saturday, the 2nd of December, it was Brentford 3, Luton Town 1, Burnley 5, Sheffield United 0, Arsenal 2, Wolverhampton Wanderers 1, Nottingham Forest 0, Everton 1, Newcastle United 1, Manchester United 0. And then on Sunday, the 3rd of December, AFC Bournemouth 2, Aston Villa 2, Chelsea 3, Brighton Hove Albion 2, Liverpool 4, Fulham 3, West Ham United 1, Crystal Palace 1, and Manchester City 3, Tottenham 3. So just before we go into reacting to all the to the results, uh, there's just been a little bit of breaking news in the Premier League around about an hour ago. Uh, it was confirmed that Sheffield United have sacked um, Paul Heckenbottom after their 5-0 defeat to Burnley at the weekend and uh, they've replaced him with former Sheffield United manager Chris Wilder who uh, returns uh, to the club. So just starting off with that Pierce, what's your reaction to the Sheffield United manager change? Um, I'm not surprised that they've sacked the manager because they have only picked up five points in the Premier League and they haven't had the greatest of starts this season. They've had a few hidings as well. Um, but in terms of the, Reappointing Chris Wilder, I think that's a pretty surprising like, appointment, to be honest, because although he did brilliantly the first time, obviously a, number, a couple of years ago now, um, and then the second season syndrome where they, they dropped off massively and they get relegated. And then in terms of Chris Wilder himself, he then went to Middlesbrough in the Championship and really struggled. They were in the relegation fight. Um, he was then sacked, and at the start of the season, he was linked with a variety of Scottish Premiership clubs, Aberdeen, Dundee United, to name a few. So to then be reappointed and manage an English Premier League, I think it was a pretty um, shocking appointment, to be honest. But I think they've kind of got me someone that's tried and trusted and obviously knows the club inside out. So maybe it'll uh, have a positive effect. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, I wasn't surprised, as you said, about Paul Heckenbottom getting sacked. You know, um, you know they've not had a great start to the season at all, and they they got beat five 0 at the weekend against Burnley, who also got promoted and who were also in the relegation zone at the time and bottom of the table. So it wasn't surprising that Heckenbottom got the sack, but I do feel for him a bit because Sheffield United have sold in the summer quite a couple of good key players. You know, um, that uh, Indoy and Dai who went to Marseille. Uh, you know, and Sander Berg, who went to Burnley. So they were two big players for Sheffield United last season, and they didn't really replace them with better players. So I, I do feel for Bob Heckenbottom a bit, because um, I don't think he really got backed. Um, but in terms of uh, Chris Wilder returning, you know, I understand it in terms of the fact that he knows the club. He'll know a lot of the players as well, um, because I don't think their squad's really changed that much since Chris Wilder was there. Um, and obviously, he's a home hometown kind of uh, guy, you know, he's Sheffield United's his club, he's always been a fan of them. 
and he did a really good job with them in the first time in charge of Sheffield United and they had I think the first season they came back up with Chris Wilder I think they had a really good season so they'll be more hoping for more of the same um, uh, so yeah it'll, it'll just, we'll just need to wait and see now with Sheffield United how they're going to react to this manager change um, so Pierce is there matches from the Premier League last weekend that stand out to you? Um, I think there's two. I think there's probably the two biggest games, to be honest. Um, so I think we'll start with the Man City three, Spurs three. Um, I think Man City at times were scintillating and could have been a number of goals in front. But with Spurs, it took the lead early on. Um, through Son, who was then not to bolt his own net, but I think like Spurs went totally totally Man City, and it was a thoroughly entertaining game and it's something you expect French Postcoglu because there's a lot of the pundits down south for um saying, Oh, can you really go toe to toe man city we're not sitting and try hitting him in the break and that's just not his style and that's regardless of which country he's been in, Australia, Japan, Scotland, England, he'll play it the exact same way. And even though he's got a number of key injuries um and attack and defence, he still wants to play that system and it works for him. And they caused Man City a number of problems and they're a lot more clinical than Man City because Man City were a bit wasteful at times. Um, particularly Erling Haaland who had a couple of guilty chances that you should back that have to put away. But fantastic result and Tottenham have done brilliantly because the fact is they then went on a wee downward spiral where they got a couple of defeats and um, after that obviously near perfect start to the season. Um, but no, that was a fantastic game and um, Man City just looked a bit more fragile than it did last season and I don't see Man City retaining the treble. Um, I just think they look <coughs> a lot weaker um, and a key departures for me were um, Mares and Gundogan and obviously the absence of De Bruyne so I think they look a bit weaker all over the park. And the other one for me has got to be the full and Liverpool game. Um, yeah. Both three Anfield. And Fulham probably thought getting three goals away from home at Anfield, you're going to get something for the game. But but just the calibre of goals, first Felix and McAllister, world oh. Endo again, first goal for Liverpool World Day, and then Alexander Arnold, own goal free kick, but it was still some technique, and then he pops up with the winner at the end. Um, Anfield is just one of those places like regardless, like the crowd just gets you going. And I think that end of goal changed it because literally I think it was like less than like 45 seconds. And then Arnold pops up with a the second. They're just, just full throttle. And um, it's a brilliant game to watch. And yeah, that's probably one of the games that would come in the season. That's like a title winning game. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm just looking for the results. There's quite a lot of really good result uh, matches from the weekend. Uh, my, my standout is the Man City Tottenham game. I thought that was a cracking game. Uh, you know, we all, me, me and you really, me, me and you know well, and Poster Coughlin. So the the football that they're playing is no surprise to us at all, and it just makes it so exciting. And you know he's he's uh, very deserving of getting the credit, and Poster Coughlin deserves it because he makes football, uh, you know, a really good play, a really good uh, thing to watch. Um, so that was my standout game from the weekend. Um, but as you said, the Liverpool film game, that was a. The goals from Liverpool were just everyone was just amazing. I mean, for Fulham to go to Anfield and score three goals, and yet come out of the match with a defeat, and it wasn't as if it was like poor defending that they 
they conceded goals from. It was just all amazing goals. So I kind of I, I really feel for them in that respect. So that was a really really good game. Um, you know, Liverpool are going really well at the moment. They're right up there at the top of the table. Um, so kind of underdogs at the moment. And just lastly, uh, the Newcastle Man United match, which finished one 0 in Newcastle. Uh, you know, Man United were you know really really poor on the day. Newcastle, although they only won one 0 it didn't. You know, people might have thought that it was a tight game, but it really wasn't. You know, Newcastle were by far better than Man United on the day. And there's a lot of issues at Man United at the moment. Um, you know, and Eric Ten Hag's under pressure. And the players are getting a lot of stick, and rightly so, because it doesn't seem to be a really united team at the moment. So, uh, yeah, so really good matches uh, from the weekend. But my standout is the the Man City Tottenham match, which finished three uh, three. So uh, we'll move on to the Scottish Premier League results from the weekend. Um, so. Uh, on Saturday, the second of December, uh, we had only two matches because one was called off. So the matches were Kilmarnock nil, Hearts one, Murrowell three, Dundee three, and then on Sunday, the third of December, uh, the matches were St Johnston one, Celtic three, uh, Hibernian two, Aberdeen nil, and Rangers two, St Mirren nil. So Pierce, which match there stands out to you? Well, I'm going to say St. Johnson won Celtic 3. Um, I feel as if like, the game itself, it, the first half is a bit poor from Celtic. They're a bit slow and lethargic, similar to they've been the last couple of weeks. Um, and obviously St. Johnson took an early lead through like, a poor, set, poor um, defending and goalkeeping at set, from a set play. And they took full advantage. Um, and I feel as if maybe they scored a bit too early because it then just revolt, um, resulted in just kind of sitting back and inviting pressure. And eventually Celtic broke down. And again, similar to the Liverpool film game, they were just two worldies for the first two goals in terms of Cameron Giggles equaliser and then Matt O'Reilly, who again just is going from strength to strength. And then obviously, tremendous save at the end by Joe Hart, and then Celtic got the other, other up straight up the other end to score on the counter attack, just like the ultimate sucker punch. And three one sounds like a comfortable victory, um, but it was far from. It was actually pretty. Although Celtic had a lot of possession, St Johnson had their chances, um, and it was a and it's a thrilling game to be honest. And um, going a special shout out to Hibernian. Who picked up another brilliant uh, victory over Aberdeen, who um, obviously drew Rangers recently as well. So I think the first goal, especially the David Marshall kick out to spring Martin Boyle in behind and then squaring it to Dylan Venti, um, that was really a uh, really good initiative from the goalkeeper. And like you say, we say I think we say it most weeks that Nick Montgomery's got Hibs playing the really good, exciting brand of football, and. Um, they're just slowly but surely picking up points here and there, and um, they're a really good, exciting side in this field. Yeah, um, you know, I was going to say Celtic as well for my game uh, over the weekend. It was just a totally polar opposite um, halves from Celtic. You know, in the first half, they were really, really, you know, really bad. You know, um, probably the you know, it was really disappointing in St Johnston were winning the up. 
and the goal the goal that Celtic conceded was very poor. Um, so uh, the second half was much better, and they scored a couple of good goals. You know, um, Matt Rayleigh especially was a that was a really really good finish. Um, and I, Brendan Rodgers said after the game that at half time that was the angriest he's ever been as a manager, which kind of just says all about how poor Celtic were on the day. Um, you know, and it's although Celtic are at the top of the table, you know they're really not convincing at the moment. You know, it's been they've not really been great at all. Uh, they've had no real uh, consistency. You know, they have a lot of injuries, but um, you know, there's there's a few concerns there for Brendan Rodgers there at the moment. Um, uh, and just the uh, I just want to quickly shout out the Murrayville Dundee match, which finished three three. I think Murrayville have been involved in quite a good few matches. I think they had. I think it was against Dundee that they that, that was an R three three match as well. Um, you know, Murrayville at the weekend scored in the last minute to get a draw. Um, so that that was a really good match as well. Um, uh, and yeah, just you know, um, Celtic, St Johnston was my was my um, you know standout match from the weekend. Uh, so we'll move on now um, to the big news that on Saturday. Uh, the 4th of December, we had the Euro 2024 group stage draw. Um, so there was, uh, you know, quite interesting groups there, to say the least. Um, you know, as for Scottish, we'll talk about the, the Scotland group. It was really exciting to watch them getting, uh, you know, drawn out uh, to put, put in a group. So the group they lay in is Group A, and in that group is Germany, Scotland, Hungary and Switzerland. Um, and that means that Scotland will be Germany versus Scotland will be the first match of the tournament. Uh, so Scotland will be kicking off that tournament against Germany. Uh, so Pierce, what do you think? Absolute buzzing for it. Um, I think yeah. that yeah. it's a definite group that we that we can progress from. Um, we touched on that a few weeks ago during the national, but the latest international break that Germany are a dismal at, at the back and. They don't look potent in the attacking the attacking third because they don't have a, a world class number nine. They've got obviously nice number tens and a couple of like, decent winners, but they just flatter to deceive. Um, and obviously playing Kai Havertz at left back. So I think if if they do that, then power to them. I think Scotland will um, cause them all sorts of problems in the opening day, uh, which is going to be an exciting time for Scotland fans to be. The opening match of our Euros, where you get the big ceremony, all the players, and then you'll just see Scotland rock up and absolutely destroy Germany, which would be brilliant. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah. That'd be amazing. And in terms of Switzerland and Hungary, I think they're pretty similar size. They're a decent calibre. Um, usually do well in European competitions. Um, but I think they're beatable, because you look at the teams that Scotland have beaten the qualifying campaign, you wouldn't we beat not we beat Spain and we beat Norway. Um so I think Spain's obviously a better calibre team than they two, but like Norway you would say is on par with, with those two sides. And we we got four points from Norway. A win in Oslo and a draw at Hamden when the group the group was already done. So I think um as Scotland fans, I think we can easily progress into the the latter stages of a knockout of a major tournament, and I think it's exciting because I think it's a group we can easily progress from. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I agree. Um, I, I was quite happy with the group that Scotland uh, were drawn into. 
uh, you know, that Germany versus Scotland match, the first match of the tournament, uh, which is going to be on the 14th of June at the Allianz Arena. I mean, that's going to be, I'm so excited for that because, you know, first game of the tournament, most eyes will be on that specific match because it's a kickoff uh, the, 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 for the first match. So lots of eyes will be on Scotland and, we, we you know, we have a great opportunity here to kind of show off the progress that we've made under Steve Clark the last four or five years. Um, and you have to say that Scotland have got a chance. Um, it's going to be hard because Germany are going to have all their fans there at home. Um, you know, so it's going to be difficult on that front. But Germany haven't been great for the last year or so. They've had really poor results. You know, they've not played a lot. They haven't played any competitive matches since the World Cup because um, they've already they are automatically qualified for the Euros. So Scotland will be kind of fancying that a wee bit. You know what I mean? It'd be stuff of dreams if Scotland were to kick off that that group with three points. I mean, it really would. Um, you know, I think well, me and you, I don't know if we'll be available for the podcast the next week. You know, I think we'll be hung over or anything. We don't know. But, uh, I'll you be know, that's I'm really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll be something stronger than that for me. Um, and then, the, yeah, and then other, the other teams, Hungary and Switzerland, you know, um, again, a very kind of good teams for Scotland to play against. You know, we can't underestimate these two teams because they are really good. You know, Switzerland are quite an established and um, they always make the finals of a of the tournaments either if it's the Euros or the World Cup so they're quite they've got a lot of experience in Hungary as well who have been really good the last few years and um, you know they're 27th in the world in the ranking so I mean that's that's really really good and we all know Hungary the main man uh, yeah, who's you know uh, an amazing player so I think Scotland can do it get out of that group for the first time ever you know that'd be amazing um, we just have to wait and see but like it's still a while away but uh, I, I can't wait for it and we'll and we'll we'll talk about it before uh, the first game for Scotland against Germany and you know that's going to be really exciting um, so yeah can't wait for it uh, I'll just quickly run through the rest of the teams uh, the rest of the groups so group B we had Spain Croatia Italy and Albania Group C, we had Slovenia, Denmark, Serbia, and England. Group D, uh, the winners of Playoff A will be in the group with Netherlands, Austria, and France. Group E is Belgium, Slovakia, Romania, and whoever wins uh, the Playoff in the B section will be in that Group E. And lastly, Group E, uh, sorry, Group F, uh, Turkey, the winners of Playoff C. Portugal and Czech Republic. So, uh, what do you think, Pierce? You got a, is there a, a group there that looks really interesting? I group D. Yeah, as I was going to say. That, is that D for death? <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I think you're right. I, I feel sorry for whoever wins playoff one. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, I agree. With Holland, Austria and France. Like France are probably one of the favourites along with Portugal to yeah. win the whole tournament. Yeah. Then you've got Netherlands who've got the quality over the park and then Austria yeah, similar. Um so yeah, I think they'll just be play off one or they will just be hoping to get a point at least. Yeah, I mean it's that's um, it's, it's it's a really tough one that and Austria are a good team as well, you know. Like, yeah, Sabitzer, yeah, Gregorich, yeah. um 
on the out of it, which also David Alaba, yeah. Good side. Yeah, they've side. got a, they've got a really good um you know, they've got a really good team. Uh, you know, that group's gonna be, you know, really exciting, you know. Um you know, I, I really do feel sorry for the, the team that uh, progresses through the playoffs. Um but you never know. You never know at the end of the day. Uh, I think the uh, there's an art there's an art group D here. So you've got Spain, Croatia, Italy, and Albania. That's a really interesting group. You know, Spain, you know, Scotland know them well. Um, Croatia, who are they always reach the last stages of uh, tournaments in Italy, who won the Euros uh, the last time. So Albania are going to have it. They're going to find it very tough. Um, but there's all the groups there are really interesting. Um, you know, it's going to be. It's going to be really exciting, uh, you know, because the Euros is always something that you want to watch. Um, and I can't wait for it. It's I can't wait for the time, the 14th of June, and I can't wait to watch Scotland kick off the, the Euros. It's going to be so, it's going to be so exciting. Um, yeah, I can't wait. Uh, so for the final part uh, of the show, Pierce will now give his Asian football roundup. Yeah, so it's going to be a lengthy one today because um, it was a conclusion of both the K-League 1 and the J-League 1. So we had on Saturday, the 2nd of December, on the K-League 1, we had Dejan Hanna Citizen 2, FC Seoul 2, Suwon Sons and Blowings 0, Gang 1 FC 0, Suwon FC 1, JJ did 1. And then Saturday, Sunday, the 3rd of December, we had Ilsen Hyundai 1, Jumbo Hyundai Motors 0, Daegu FC 2, Uncharted 1, Guang Jesse nil, Pong Steelers nil. So we had the top three teams confirmed. So top three with Ilsen Hyundai, who was the champions, um, with 76 points. Second place with Pong Steelers, who secured that position with 64 points. And then the final position for the Asian Champions League was Guang Jesse, who have qualified for the 24 25 AFC Champions League elite. And um, yeah, a phenomenal achievement for a side that was just promoted from the K League 2. Um, yeah, phenomenal achievement for them. And at the bottom of the table, um, it's been confirmed Suwon Samson Blue Wings have been relegated to the K League Two for the very first time in the club's history. Um, and Suwon FC and Gangwon FC will both go into the rele- relegation playoff for the and for to try to fight for survival in the K League One. So in terms of J League One, um, obviously. We had to, all the matches were played on Sunday, the 3rd of December. So, Hoikido, Constable Sapporo 0, Ureda Diamonds 0, Ureda Diamonds 2, Gamble Saka 0, Vassel Kobe 1, Kashima 2, Yokohama FC 1, Kyoto Sanga 3, Yokohama F Mariners 1, Sagan Tusun 0, Kawasaki Frontali 1, Alberts Nagata 1, Sezo Saka 0, Avispa Fukuoka 0, San Fetch Hiroshima 1, now go Grampus 1, Cassio Reso 1. Yeah, so it's leaving the table looking like this. Um, Vassil Kobe champions, 71 points. Second position with Yokam F. Marnos last season's um, uh, winners, but um, faltered towards the end of the season. So they secured second. And the final Asian Champions League place goes to an outsider, which was unexpected in uh, San Fretchi Hiroshima. Uh, the favourites were obviously Nagoi Grampus and Urari Diamonds. Um, but they dropped off towards the end of the season and phenomenal achievement for them to get into the Asian Champions League elite. So down at the bottom of the table, we had Yokami FC 
rock bottom on 29 points and they've been relegated. And then 17th and 16th, we have Kashi Russell on 33 points and Gamble Saka 34, and they'll both go into the relegation playoff. So in terms of other Asian football news, um, Toro Oniki has reached an agreement <laughs> in his contract with Kawasaki Frontale um, for the 2024 season. The 49-year-old is part of the Frontale staff in 2007, um, progressively ascending to the role of manager in 2017. Under his guidance, the team has secured the Meiji Yasuda J-League 1 title four times. So Japanese football icon, you've probably heard of him, Tom, Shinji Ono has officially retired at the grand old age of 44. Um, so a 25-year uh, career which spanned 602 games, 91 goals, a Europa League 1 away final in 2002, J-League 1 we the Diamonds in 2006, the A-League with West, Western Sydney Wonders in 2013, um, the FC Asian Cup with Japan in 2000, the AFC Champions League with Ura Dimes in 2007, and he was voted as the AFC Player of the Year in 2002. So say, sayonara, Tensai. So according to Japanese media, newly promoted Machida Zelvia are set to sign FC Seoul's um, Na Sangho. Na finished the season as FC Seoul's top goal scorer with 12 goals and 38 K-League 1 appearances um, for a side that flattered to deceive and had a pretty disappointing campaign finishing the bottom half of the table. Um, so we had um, the J-League 1 awards and the K-League 1 awards. So for the, we'll start with the J-League 1. So top goal scorers were voted um, well, top goal scorers Yaya Yuya Asaka of Vassel Kobe and Arnison Lopez of Yokama F. Maros, who both finished the season on 22 goals. So Yuya Asako and Anderson Lopez um, waged an amazing battle for top goal scorer this year uh, and they ended up sharing the honours after they both finished on 22 goals in 34 G-League G- 1 matches. So the manager year goes to Sh- Shigitoshi Hasebe, who led Avisva Fukuoka to their very first major trophy, won in the 2023 G-League YBC Levin Cup and also steered the club to the best ever league finish by coming in seventh. So manager of the G-League 1 Champions Award was Takeyuki Yoshida, who receives his award having guided Vassel Kobe to their very first ever major Yasudo G-League 1 title. So the best young player was voted as Shinsuke Mito, uh, he had a terrific campaign in the Alberts Nagata midfield and has earned the 21-year-old star this season's Best Young Player Award. So in terms of the MVP, um, the 2022 MVP was obviously Tomoki Iwata, who is now at Celtic. And that award has now been going to Yuyo Osaka, who finished top goal scorer and was pivotal in um, winning the Vassell Kobe, their very first ever title. Um, so he was voted... At, the top goal scorer, selecting team of the year, and is pivotal in bringing the J-League 1 to Vassell Kobe. So in terms of the K-League 1 awards, uh, we had manager year, which is Hong Myung-bo of Ilsen Hyundai. After winning the K-League 1 championship for a second year in a row, Ilsen Hyundai manager Hong Myung-bo has the honour of being named manager of the year under Hong's stewardship Ilsen won 23 of the 38 league matches, drawing 7 and losing just 8. The Horage 
won the league title with three games to spare even earlier than they did last season. So the MVP was Kim Jong-won of Wilson Hyundai. The 2023 K-League 1 MVP is Ulsan Hyundai centre-back Kim Jong-won. Kim made 32 appearances for Ulsan this season, helping them to a second league title in as many seasons. And he sits third in the division for passes made, with 2,268 passes made, the most among the Ulsan players. So the Young Player of the Year has gone to Jong Ho Young uh, of Guangzhou FC. Uh, the Guangzhou FC midfielder Jong Ho Wong is the 2023 K-League 1 Young Player of the Year. Jong came through the ranks at Guangzhou and helped him win the K-League 2 title last year, as well as a third-place finish in the K-League 1 this season, securing an Asian Champions League place in the process. This season he's featured in 34 league matches, scored two goals and assisted four. Uh, an interesting stat is whenever Jong has scored or assisted in a match, Guangzhou were able to avoid defeat winning five matches and drawing just at once. So in terms of the, the best 11 for um, the K-League 1, so the goalkeeper we've got Jo Young-woo of Ilsan Hyundai, defenders Wanderson of Poang Steelers, Alex Grant of Poang Steelers, Kim Young-won of Ilsan Hyundai, and So Young-woo of Ilsan Hyundai. So we feel we've got Gerso Fernandez of Inchon United, Oberdan of Poang Steelers, Lee Soon-min of Guangzhou FC, and Umwon Sang of Ilsan Hyundai. And we've got two followers of Joe Min Kyu of Ilsan Hyundai and Zeka of Poang Steelers. Um, and last but not least, we have obviously the top goal scorers, which was Joe Min Kyu, Ilsan Hyundai. Um, top goal scorer having scored 17 goals from 36 appearances this season. And because he had played fewer minutes than Dejan's Thiago Oboro, um, 2,621 minutes compared to. Oboro's 2,833 minutes, who also scored 17 goals. So he is now officially the top goal scorer of the K-League 1. So the top assister was Baek Sung Dong of Pong Steelers. Uh, the winger has won the top assist maker with 8 assists in 26 matches. He also scored 4 goals to make a total of 12 combined goals and assists in just 26 matches. His 8th and final assist came in round 27 this August. Uh, but injury prevented him from adding any more to his tally. So in terms of J-League 1 best 11, so we have Sh Shusako Nishikawa of Urari Diamonds. We've got um, three defenders of Alexander Schultz of Urari Diamonds, Marius Holtbrighton of Urari Diamonds, and Seiya Makuma of the Series of Osaka. Uh, Four-man midfield of Atsuki Ito, Urari Diamonds, Gotoku Sakai of Vassel Kobe, Hotaro Yamaguchi of Vassel Kobe, and Yasuto Wakizaka of Kawasaki Frontali, and a pretty powerful front line of Anderson Lopez um, of Yokama F. Moros, Yuyo Saka of Vassel Kobe, and Yoshinoro Muto of Vassel Kobe. And that is all your latest Asian football news. Thank you, Pierce. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Football Trigger Podcast. This podcast will be available to listen to on the Football Tribute YouTube channel and also the Football Tribute website. Thanks for listening and see you soon. Bye-bye.